In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time for Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues today, with Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Ladies, Motherhood Talk Radio is here to give you a powerful platform by giving you interesting, inspiring, and influential information as you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio has interviews with best-selling authors, gurus of happiness, and women of interest who every single day make our world a better place for our families. Motherhood Talk Radio, powered by Motherhood Incorporated, is on the air now. Moms, this really is your show. Motherhood Talk Radio. And now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Hey, Mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Christy Holly. And Christy, we've got a tough topic today. Yes, we do. We're going to go away from our health and fitness and our silly stuff, and we're going to cover a topic that's in the media a lot. Um, The topic for today is Asperger's syndrome, which is, uh, what did you say, is a high-functioning, Christy, how would you explain it? High-functioning autism, I believe, but I'm not an expert. Well, that's why we're bringing an expert on today. That's good. That's good for us. Yeah, well, we aren't experts, but yet I hear it in the media all the time. I see it on the news. I have a very good friend. Um, I actually have a a couple friends who have children on the spectrum um, of autism, and I think you do too. I do. I do. I have a dear, dear friend of mine. Her son was recently diagnosed with Asperger's and a few other things, but, you know, now that we've learned a lot about it, you know, she's, she did a lot of research on the Internet, and, you know, she helped get her child diagnosed with, with that. But now that we know, we, we can better, like, help him a little bit better with some of the tools that she's been given. So. Well, and it's one of those things, I mean, I know on our radio network here, our TogiNet radio network, uh, Shannon um, Penrod has uh, the show Everyday Autism Miracles. I mean, there's a weekly show alone uh, on autism and different uh, aspects of the spectrum that she covers, uh, but it's one of those things where I hear it a lot. I hear, oh, Bill Gates, Asperger's, you know, you hear that in the media all the right. time. And, um, you know, you never know, is it a good thing, is it a bad thing? Um, and then how do we help our kids? And then the other thing that I run into, Christy, and I'm sure you have the same thing, um, and Shannon Penrod, who's the um, host of Everyday Autism Miracles, her son, Jen, is, uh, has been diagnosed with autism, and that's helped me understand a lot. And she's been really good teaching me how to integrate him at parties, how to do uh, different things in his presence so that, you know, the kids the kids all work together um, in helping each other because everybody's different. But it seems to be that that most places we go – there is a discussion of autism. There's a, it comes up at parties. It comes up. And I don't remember ever hearing about this when I was growing up. No, never, never. I mean, maybe somebody had, like, somebody was hyper or, you know, they just weren't, they were labeled as, like, they just weren't disciplined. Right. Like, like, like ah, you know, those kids, you know, are strange. <laughs> you know, strange or, like, you know, that kid's off. Blah. Right, right. He's different. He's yeah. a little weird. Right, but, but we didn't. 
No, never. Well, and it wasn't really, I mean, you know, it's like in, in researching the show, you know, um, you know, I was reading about Han, uh, Hans, I guess Hans of a Buffalo. Hans Asperger. Hans Asperger. Hans Asperger, um, and who was that child psychologist. Um, you know, I guess, you know, this was has been around a long time, but, but nobody's really put a label on it and had a course of treatment for it. And, and maybe that's where the confusion lies with me. Maybe. Um, but that's why we're going to bring on Dr. Kevin Hull today, and um, he's a licensed counselor in the state of Florida, and he has a new book out. He's actually got a couple books coming, and um, I'm going to turn it right over to Kevin because, Christy, you and I don't know enough about this subject no. to no, <laughs> I'm not anything even, of news. I'm not even going to pretend. So we're not even going to pretend. Uh, Kevin, are you on the line? I am here, Sandra. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today and answering our questions. Well, thank um, you for having me. You know, before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I uh, live in Lakeland, Florida, and I'm a licensed counselor here. Um, I do have a Ph.D. in professional counseling, and um, it was about uh, 2001 um, I had uh, I'd been working in a private practice here uh, for about a year, and that was when I was referred uh, a young man uh, who his parents said had just been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. They didn't know much about it. I knew of it, but I had never worked with someone one-on-one. -on -one. And so that kind of led into everything uh, that I do now. Now, currently, I conduct um, social skills groups, and um, I do a lot of individual counseling with children, with adolescents, uh, and some adults, and I also do family counseling for uh, parents and uh, single moms and families who have children or adolescents and sometimes even adults who've been diagnosed with Asperger's. And I'm also a dad. Um, and a husband, so I have, um, with my wife and I have four children between us. I have two um, stepsons, uh, one is 23, one's 17, and then I have two daughters, um, 13 and 11. So um, I'm not just a counselor who works with kids, uh, but I have uh, children in the house, and so I have to live what I teach. <laughs> they keep me yeah, I'm glad. That's good. <laughs> they, they keep me honest, and um, so it, it's, it's really, really fun. And a big theme of the work that I do is play therapy and relationship therapy and building connection. Um, you guys started off the radio show talking about, you know, that you didn't hear much about it. Uh, when you were growing up, and um, there's a reason for that. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to share just a little bit of the history sure, of sure. Asperger's um, syndrome. You mentioned Hans Asperger, and um, he was a child psychiatrist in Vienna, Austria, and he wrote a paper in 1944. And what's really interesting about him is he kind of stumbled upon this group of odd children. And um, as you know, around, you know, 1940, Hitler was sweeping through Europe and was uh, focusing on exterminating people who didn't fit in into the mainstream. And um, Hans Asperger kind of rounded up these 
these odd children and noticed these patterns in them and that they struggled with uh, communicating and they struggled with, you know, they didn't make eye contact. They didn't interact socially like other children he had observed. And so the the sad thing about him is his his paper remained pretty much in obscurity until 1981 when a lady named Lorna Wing read his paper and she kind of coined the phrase Asperger's syndrome. Um, she was investigating autism and a lot of people ask me, what's the difference between Asperger's syndrome and regular autism? And the main difference is that Asperger's is considered high-functioning, meaning that the the child with Asperger's syndrome or diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome doesn't display the shutdown characteristics that uh, people with uh, regular autism display. Um, And Lorna Wing actually had a daughter um, who was diagnosed with autism, and so she was trying to make a differential between high-functioning autism and regular autism. But it wasn't until 1991 that Asperger's paper was translated into English. And this had an immediate impact because a lot of child psychologists and psychiatrists, as well as teachers and educators said, whoa, okay, this explains a lot. Because they had these children who they just didn't fit in, and they just seemed kind of odd. They were very intelligent, but um, so. Well, and I think what what you know what struck me with this, um, Kevin, is that this paper didn't blame the children's issues on the parenting style or the relationship the child had with the mother. Because a lot of, like what I see with a lot of children's issues, they always seem to go back, well, it's a parenting issue, or it's a, you know, they didn't have a good relationship with the mother. You know, my self-esteem is slow because of whatever. Right. Uh, And that, that to me is pretty amazing. And that's what I love about Hans Asperger, because Leo Kanner, around the same time, wrote a paper on autism, and in it, he blamed a cold parenting style of the mother as why these children were like this. Hans Asperger was very compassionate and full of empathy in his writing, and he was able to um, he was able to say that this was probably genetic, but he never blamed uh, the parents and or the mothers specifically, and I and I really like that because um, that's one of the things I focus on in my work is really trying to encourage the parents, and every parent I've ever met struggles with some guilt that they did something wrong, or maybe somewhere, you know, when he was three months old, I bumped his head against the side of the tub, and maybe this did it, and so it, it really helps. Um, you know, that he had that perspective. Well, and when you, when I think back to what you said about, you know, he was, you know, he got all these children together and noticed that there were certain physical similarities, there were psychological similarities, there were, you know, emotional components. You know, right there it says there is there has to be some sort of hereditary component because not all of these mothers could cause, you know, or fathers could cause this 
you know, issue with their children all at the same time, you know, at three months, you know. Um, but somebody of authority has to sit down and say these things. And that's one of the reasons, Kevin, that I'm so glad that you've come on the show today because you're going to clear up a lot of, I don't know, misconceptions, things Christy and I wonder about. You know, we hear these terms, we hear these words, and we're really excited because as we go later on in the show today, we're going to talk about some of the different play therapy techniques that you use so um, you know parents that are working with their children whether they're diagnosed or not some of these things you know they can help every parent be a better parent well my name is Sandra Beck I'm the host of Motherhood Talk Radio along with Christy Holly our guest today is Dr. Kevin Hull and he's a licensed counselor in the state of Florida and author of a great book that we're going to promote later on in the show our topic today is Asperger's Syndrome and we come back from the break we're going to talk more about uh, adolescents diagnosed with um, Asperger syndrome. Mom, here's your show, Motherhood Talk Radio, giving you interesting, inspiring, and influential information as you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. This is Motherhood Talk Radio, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready for Officer Radio every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Officer.com. It's powered by the worldwide resources of Officer.com and hosted by Editor-in-Chief of Officer.com and 30-year law enforcement veteran Frank Borelli. Officer.com is your source for the latest news, trends, and issues facing the law enforcement community, which change almost daily. New regulations, new things to know about that affect all in law enforcement. Join us each week as Officer Borelli and his guests examine, dissect, and discuss the issues facing our industry. Call in live and join the conversation to get your voice heard. For more law enforcement news and more about the show, go to Officer.com. You can even find us on Facebook and Twitter. Then join us live every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Officer.com. The Mary Beth Wells Hour is a talk radio show where we reach out, reach deep, and talk about topics of substance. We'll cover points of interest, such as World War II and the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, the planets and the oceans, skydiving, rock climbing, and much, much more. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects. It's a program to pique your interest for sure. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues. For more information, check out the website, motherhoodtalkradio.com. Now, let's get back to the show with your hosts, Sandra Beck and Christy Holland. Mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Christy Holly. Christy, I already feel like I know so much more about Asperger's and autism, don't you? Yes, I do, and I can't wait to find out more because I have more questions. Well, I have a couple questions that have come in um, uh, come in from our listeners, uh, and I'm just going to throw them right at you, Kevin. Okay, uh, go ahead. 
Okay, there's a lot of talk in the media that autism or Asperger's high-functioning uh, autism can be cured, it, it, like like it's some sort of like disease or illness that can just mm-hmm. be cured. I would love to know your thoughts on this. Well, my thoughts are, and this is based on research, um, there is no cure in the sense that these traits can be magically reversed or magically taken away. Um, But from a positivistic um, viewpoint, there are things that, and, and these things are being discovered all the time, things that can help treat the symptoms that come from Asperger's and also give uh, coping skills and also developmental skills uh, to the individual as they grow. Um, so there's no actual cure, but research is being done all the time and things are being discovered as far as, you know, things that help uh, the condition of Asperger's. And that's why it's characterized as a developmental disorder. So it implies that it's going to be there over the lifespan now that brings me to another question that's been asked um about uh this disorder or this um uh I've read and then we've gotten a couple questions come in that said is there a window of opportunity because some of the research that I saw and one of the questions that was asked of us today is that you know if you can catch these kids when they're 18 months old or be under mm-hmm. the age of 3 or then I read under the age of 7 and then under the age of puberty. I mean, there's all these benchmarks right. that somehow seem to identify, and they're conflicting because, you know, in some of the stuff that I've seen says, well, by the time they're a teenager or an adult, there's not much that can be done. But if this is a developmental issue, um, obviously we can relearn. Our brains are plastic, and we can reform pathways and things like that. Sure. Can we, you know, is there a, an age limit that you say, well, by the time you're 40, you put a fork in him, he's done, there's nothing we can do, or is this something that we can work on over time? Research does point to the fact that earlier diagnosis and earlier identification is better because, um, for three reasons. One is it helps the parents become more flexible in how they need to adjust to the child who has special needs. The earlier they accept that my child is going to be different, their developmental path is not going to be, you know, typical of what I expect, they can grieve that, they can accept that, and they can be ready to learn as much as they can and shift and change their perspective. A second point is that, like what you said, the, the brain is still developing. So if I could just use an example of, you know, if this is diagnosed in a child versus a teen, let's say a child at the age of four or five is diagnosed, Asperger's is identified, The parents, like I said, can accept it, but also as this child begins school, there are certain modifications that can be understood. There might be medications that can be prescribed to help with emotional outbursts. Um, There can be a behavioral analyst or a mental health 
professional who can begin teaching the child to control their outbursts or things like that. The teenager, by the time they're 12, 13, 14, if it goes untreated or no one steps in, they've already gone through probably five or six years of school of being ostracized. They've been perceived as bad or broken. They already have developed a low self-worth. They begin to see themselves as a throwaway. They hate school, hate social situations. And so that's where that early diagnosis can be really, really helpful, just to begin to prepare that child at an early age how to deal with transitions, how to deal with social situations. And I didn't mention earlier, but that's some of the things that the the child diagnosed with Asperger's or the individual diagnosed with Asperger's really struggles with. It's connecting with others and social situations and dealing with transitions. They, They just have a really tough time with those things. So early diagnosis is definitely the best. Now I'm going to go off off topic a little bit, Kevin. Okay. Um, for most of our listeners who are regular listeners know this, but those who don't, um, I run a technology company, uh, Motherhood Incorporated, mm-hmm. and I work with an awful lot of technical people. That yes. when I meet them in person, it's so different. I mean, we have these great chats on, you know, because when there's when you interact with someone on the internet, there's no face to face contact. There's no nobody cares how your body movement is, or you know, right. you like make some weird thing and then you know we have these great relationships and then we meet in person because i'm i'm one that'll do this too you know i like forget you know like oh my god i have to make eye contact i've been texting this person for two years now i have to actually interface as a human being that is a challenge but then i look at a lot of these people that you know are my friends and i go wow you know you exhibit all these things you got poor social skills you don't make eye contact i got some weird behavioral things going on (laughs) but you're smart as a whip you're so good at what you do which Mm -hmm. makes me think of like bill gates going yeah i mean it's not that that Asperger's doesn't necessarily mean you can't do certain things. It just means you need to find the arena in which you can do them well. Is that a, a, a do you, would you say that's a positive statement? Absolutely. And that is the mantra that I repeat over and over to parents. It's not a disease and it's not a death sentence. A great many of people throughout history have been inventors and innovators and the people who you know, we all know who are technologically savvy may not have the best social connections, but I'm just a firm believer that there is a niche for everybody, and that gives hope uh, to parents. Well, and I think, you know, when I look at the arenas that I work in, Kevin, you and I work in completely different arenas, mm-hmm. um, I see some of these uh, young people coming out in their teens, in their 20s, even in their 30s now, that I come across with on the Internet. And, and these guys rock, man. They have really, yes. <laughs> really great, you know, it's like, you know, off off the computer, you know, I'm kind of a nerdy little geek that doesn't get along with people, but then I go on in this technological realm that doesn't rely on that social aspect um, that we judge so many people on, and then their gifts can truly shine. So I'm here to say as an advocate for the parents of these kids, you know, don't sell your kids short because a lot of the people that I see that are creating the great stuff that we have on the Internet today are people that fall into that category. 
Yes, absolutely. And that gives parents a lot of hope. Um, and that's what they need. They need to be able to shift out of this imaginary view of what is normal. And I hate that word because nobody knows what that really means and see it from a different perspective in that the truth is all of us are different and all of us have various struggles that we have to overcome and find our, our path in the world and find a place where we fit. And so, but however, most of us didn't struggle that much in the social uh, connection realm. These individuals really struggle with that. And because they have a hard time seeing things from another person's perspective, they get shunned or they get rejected early in life. And that's confusing to them. So they naturally shy away from social interaction and social connection. However, there is a big misconception that people with autism and people with high-functioning autism, Asperger's, don't want social connection. And that is a myth because they desire it deeply just like anybody else. They may not know how to go about it, but that desire is there. Well, and Kevin, I'm going to support you anecdotally on that because what I see in my work on the Internet, you know, I'm on the Internet, you know, 8 to 12 hours a day with my company. And I will tell you that there's a phrase around the community in which I spend a lot of time where geek is the new normal on the Internet. Yeah. You know, the things that made people really geeky in their personal lives, you're actually cool on the Internet. You actually can interact on the Internet. You can function on your own time frame, on your own speed. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to bust you for having no eye contact or, you know, acting weird or looking weird. By the by, the terms of the kind of the the social environment, but you go on the internet, and that's where it's very funny, Kevin, because I see the reverse happen. I see these people who are really powerful people. People they smile, mm-hmm. they charm, they do all this stuff, and they just fall flat on the internet. They fall flat on a live chat because they can't rely right. on those other skill sets, and that's really what we're talking about. I think, is giving people skill sets that they can kind of navigate in both arenas, whether they're cool on the net and not so cool in person or cool in person and not so good on the net. Um, I think the Internet is opening a lot of doors for people that might not have been opened in the past for these, uh, for these kids and then for my friends that I see are all grown up with Asperger's. Yes. Well, yeah, that's, that's a good observation. So we have two minutes to break. Um, okay. So uh, actually we have one minute to break, so I'm going to bring us to commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to go to Christy Holly, who has a question or comment. Okay. And I'm going to ask our listeners to check us out at Motherhood Talk Radio. You can find us on iTunes. You simply go to iTunes, type in motherhoodtalkradio.com. This podcast, along with other broadcasts, are available on our TogiNet home station, which is toginet.com. You can also find Find the podcast available on our website, which is www.motherhoodtalkradio.com. My name is Sandra Beck. I am the host of Motherhood Talk Radio. And next week on the air, we're going to have Lynette Lovelace of Life Therapy. You've seen her products on Oprah. You can find them on the web. She's got a new jewelry design out that's promoting some different 
stages of well-being. Uh, Christy Holly is with me today. Doris Rivas Brecky is taking a break today. She is moving, so we're going to wish her the best of luck on her move. So come back after the break where we talk about play therapy, and we will have Christy's question. show motherhood talk radio giving you interesting inspiring and influential information as you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation this is motherhood talk radio and we'll be right back after these whether you're four and a half or 100 you can retrain your brain learning rx the radio show is on toginet.com thursday mornings at 8 a.m central time with martin Kruger. LearningRx programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life-changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where LearningRx comes in. Call today, 903-617-6899. 903-617-6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that LearningRx can help you with. It's not a product. It's an experience. So join us for LearningRx, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. The trick to getting published with your host, Florence Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 Central on Toginet.com. Flo has seen it, done it, and now can share from her experiences as a newspaper staff reporter, feature writer, freelance editor, and college writing instructor. And now Flo has authored a system whereby her students enjoy a 90% success rate in attaining publication of their manuscripts for the first time. In just four years, she has over 800 of her own articles published in national magazines, newspapers, and anthologies. Author of several books, including the powerful memoir, The Sicilian Nobleman's Daughter, Florence has advised and edited professors, deans, PhDs, and hundreds of students' writings before submission. And now it's your turn. Join us Friday nights with your questions. Most of Flo's students say they've learned much and thoroughly enjoyed the journey. It's The Trick to Getting Published with your host, Flo Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues. For more information, check out the website, motherhoodtalkradio.com. Now, let's get back to the show with your hosts, Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here live with Christy Holly. And our guest today is Kevin B. Hull. He's a doctor. He's a specialist in um, autism and especially high-functioning autism. He has a book coming out, so we're going to talk about that uh, a little later in the show. He's going to give us some play therapy ideas. But before we do, I'm going to turn the mic over to Christy, who has a question on behalf of our listeners. Yes, I do. Well, what I would like to know is how do you get your child diagnosed with autism or Asperger's or whatever it is that we're trying to get them diagnosed with? And also, what role do the schools play um, in helping to do that? And also, also, (laughs) I have all these these questions. And, like, do do the schools 
Never mind. We've got a lot of questions. There's a lot of people wanting to know information about this. Yeah, we'll 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 go with the first first couple ones there. Um, How is Asperger's or high functioning autism diagnosed? Um, It's diagnosed by applying the criteria uh, that's found in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. That's that DISM four or whatever. Right, the DSM four, but. and that's done by a clinical psychologist, and there are a series of tests that they can do, and it depends on the age of the child. The younger the child, the different there will be different tests for that. Um, there's also, in that diagnosis process, is observations made by parents, made by teachers, and maybe other family members that kind of chime in on that. They give them um, some rating scales that they can do. And some of the things that they're looking for, uh, some of those early warning signs in, in very young children, say a preschool age kid, is repetitive, repetitive behaviors, um, for instance, uh, saying something over and over and over again, um, only playing with one specific toy, um, attracted to certain uh, television shows or movies, for instance, watching the same movie three or four times through or eight hours a day. And, you know, a lot of us can think of our children when they were small and they really liked a certain movie. So I always caution parents, you know, <laughs> that doesn't mean your kid has, has Asperger's syndrome, okay? Because, you know, I mean, Jungle Book is awesome, and, and I, I I love Jungle Book, you know. But, oh, my God, I've seen Caddyshack like 35 times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and see, that's, that's the danger is a lot of parents just focus on one thing, and, it, and it's a – it's a it's a global thing. Another warning sign can be the child does not like to be touched. Um, another warning sign is they're completely inflexible as far as routine. If if their routine is disrupted, they melt down as if it's the end of the world. Um, again, that repetitive nature. They want the same thing. They want that consistency. Yeah, and um, lining up objects in rows, lining up things in order. And then one of the warning signs that I tell parents about socially is if you observe your child, say you go to the park and this your child's three or four or five, a neurotypical child, which is a child who isn't diagnosed with high-functioning autism or Asperger's, will... They'll assess the situation, and then they'll enter into the play somehow. These children will just kind of stand there and watch, like they're watching a show. And they won't really join in. They won't connect or communicate with other children. They're just kind of on the outskirts, just sort of watching. And And do you see sometimes, like, when they get older, like what I've noticed in some of the ones that are close to me, they get to a point where there'll be a party going on and one will decide to sit in the corner and read a book and completely disconnect from the whole party. Right. And, you know, they're there. They're um, Right. They're physically there. Right. But they're not involved. They're not connected. And so those are those are some of the signs. Now, Christy asked about the schools. Um, what is really, really neat to me is that 
um, you know, because of this more awareness of high-functioning autism and that, you know, with a few modifications, these children can go to regular school. They can, you know, the intelligence obviously is there, um, but, you know, a lot of these children do better in smaller class sizes. Uh, they don't like loud noises. They don't like a lot of people and a, and a lot of confusion or chaos. And so having a structured environment really helps them. The neat thing is schools are doing more and more, but schools can do a lot more. And this is where... Um, you know, people like myself are really passionate about educating uh, teachers and administrators to make more of an effort to include these children. Um, a downside of Asperger's is bullying. Uh, these children are singled out, and uh, there's an author whose whose name is uh, Tony Atwood, and he actually writes about that these children can trigger either a predatory instinct or a compassionate instinct in other children. And that predatory instinct is what happens in kids when they sense that a kid is not normal, is not typical, and they want to reject them. And this is something I see so much in the young people who come to me. They've been bullied severely, some so severe that they have to be homeschooled mm -hmm. uh, because they just can't make it back out there and they bear the scars from it. And so on the one hand, schools are either doing better, but there's a lot of improvements um, that could be made. And that's where a lot of parents end up putting their children diagnosed with Asperger's into either private schools or I'm sure you guys are aware the homeschool movement is just booming. And um, a lot of these children end up in the homeschool arenas uh, just because they function better one-on-one. -on -one. They function better learning at their own speed and in their own little world, so to speak. Well, and they also, like one of the things that I know about these kids, you know, at least the ones that I've interacted with, um, is that they have like a advanced or overdeveloped language skills or, you know, it, they are different. And they, they come off sometimes as like when you start talking to them, they're like little miniature adults. And they don't have that carefree play um, you know, like I think of one of my yes. friends' kids who said Very to me, serious. well, and my own son last year who said to me, or two years ago, he's like, Mom, I don't understand soccer. And I said, what do you mean you don't understand soccer? And he's like, but you just kicked the ball in the net. And I'm like, you know, there's so much, I'm like, but it's part of the team. It's our thing. And he just, he could not get beyond that. It was just a rudimentary kick the ball in the net. And that was just you know, miss the whole point, um, you know, but with the advanced language skills and things like that, they are different. They are odd. They, you know, and without support, they can be seen as odd or they can be seen as different and everybody's different and everybody has certain gifts, but that right. requires a really progressive teacher in a really progressive school. Yes, that's true. And, and an educator or, you know, people who are on the ball, who can recognize it and then, um, you know, put things in place to uh, help that child. Well, and that's the thing is where a lot of kids just fit in with the crowd. They just go. There's not an issue. Um, a parent of this kind of 
of child has to actually be involved with them to say, come on, stick your hand out, shake your hand, say hello, I see this in Boy Scouts. You know, we have to teach yeah. some of these social skills where they just stand there, and it's not parenting. It's not, you know, the parents look at me, roll their eyes, go, I've told them a million times. Well, you're probably going to have to tell them a million five, you know, until mm-hmm. they be comfortable and that behavior becomes kind of rote, memorized behavior because it doesn't come naturally. Exactly. And that's that's where the the work that I do comes in. And one of the things that research shows too is that the parent plays such a huge role in the child's sense of safety, the, the child's sense of uh, well-being. And but the the difficulty is these children sometimes don't connect like we would think, you know. For especially a child who doesn't want to be touched or held, well, a mother immediately ter- interprets that as you don't love me or the child or doesn't done like me. Wrong. Right, the child doesn't like me, I've done something yes. wrong. We internalize it as mothers. Yes, and so what I work hard to do is to get the parent to accept the child. This is how they are. They have different ways of showing affection and showing love and their sense of safety. And so once you understand that and get over that and accept it, then the parent can make a connection with the child and really become an advocate for them. Now, do you find, Kevin, that a parent with Asperger's, you know, because there is a hereditary component to it, if you have a parent that has Asperger's and a child that has Asperger's, do they get in synergy and support each other, or does it self-destruct? Well, they can sometimes form an incredible bond. There's a young man I'm working with, and his father very much has the traits, and they connect over things, um, you know, building Legos and electronical components, and they are like buddies. They are on the same planet, and boy, you know, it is, it is amazing to see the bond and the connection. Um, but I've worked with others who they're just kind of separate beings, just kind of orbiting in their own little realm away from each other. And, you know, they pass each other in the hallway, but there's there's very little connection there. So it can go both ways. Good to know. Good to know. Well, our guest today on Motherhood Talk Radio is Kevin Hull, and he is a licensed counselor from the state of Florida, and he is a specialist in, um, in Asperger's syndrome and high-functioning autism. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about some different play therapies and Kevin's book that is coming out. And I also want to talk to you, Kevin, about autism numbers, why they're on the rise. Is it because of diagnosis? is because of our chemicals. We hear a lot of things. I'd love to hear your point of view when we come back from the break. Check okay. us out on iTunes. Check us out on military or yeah, Motherhood Talk Radio. For those of you looking for the military component of motherhood, check us out on our sister show on Mondays at 2 p.m. CSC, Military Mom Talk Radio. This is Sandra from MotherhoodTalkRadio.com. Here's your show, Motherhood Talk Radio, giving you interesting, inspiring, and influential information as you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. This is Motherhood Talk Radio, and we'll be right back after these. Oh. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from their competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDoeswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Doeswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Tuggynet.com. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues. For more information, check out the website, MotherhoodTalkRadio.com. Now, let's get back to the show with your hosts, Sandra Back and Christy Holly. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Christy Holly and uh, with Kevin B. Hall, Dr. Kevin B. Hall, an autism uh, Asperger's high-functioning autism specialist. Uh, we're going to get right to the point because, gosh, we're almost to the end of the show, and I still have so much to cover. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to go to you first um, okay. and ask you. Uh, Christy asked the question. We also got a call-in question. Um, first of all, do IEE, sorry, IEP programs, individual education plans, the school programs. Yes. Do the special ed programs offer any advantage to kids with Asperger's? Uh, yes, they do. Um, they can uh, be helpful in providing understanding for the teachers, uh, for the um, primary educators who are working with that child so that they understand, you know, that they they may be triggered by something in the classroom. They may be distracted by something in the classroom. Or for a, sometimes these children have emotional outbursts because they go into fight or flight really quick. And so this can help explain when a, when a young person is getting upset, the educator can either take steps to you know, remove them from the classroom or just give them a sense of safety and security. Um, so those those are helpful, yes. Now, I'm not familiar. I'm only familiar with Florida, uh, the Florida schools. Um, but, um, yes, those are helpful. Okay, we got another question that just came in. Uh, okay. This is regarding public programs. For those millions of Americans that are currently uninsured, uh, what kind of public programs, and I realize you can only really talk about the state of Florida, but um, are there public programs for somebody who's not insured, who can't afford, like your services, <laughs> you right. know, who can't afford this type of uh, private treatment, what options do you have for those family members? Well, one of the things that I recommend is for them to research uh, their area. Um, they can go to some of the major um, autism websites, and sometimes there are local support groups that are listed on there, but um, to um, search their area for a support group uh, where they can connect with other parents. And sometimes the pediatricians or um, other, you know, 
uh, counselors like myself or psychologists will have information about that in, in their area. And that's really the key um, in both support for the parent but also networking where they can find out what other parents have done. Um, I am so passionate about helping these young people that I will work with a family no matter what, regardless of their ability to pay. Um, I will lower my fee. I will, you know, do what I have to do because I'm just so passionate about helping these families uh, and these these young people. Well, and they should buy your book. So let's talk about your book, and then we're going to talk about some play therapy okay. techniques. Um, I know we're under the gun here, but um, let's talk about your book first. Okay. Well, the book that I have uh, that's coming out um, in well, gosh, pretty soon, November 16th. It's 15 days or 20 days. It's entitled Play Therapy and Asperger's Syndrome, Helping Children and Adolescents Connect, Grow, and Heal Through the Art of Play, and that's published by Jason Aronson uh, Publishers. I wrote this book out of uh, my passion to help other counselors and psychologists uh, and educators really learn about Asperger's syndrome and high-functioning autism, and to see play as a way to connect with these children and also help them grow and help them heal and understand themselves. And so this book is is kind of geared towards the working professional. Um, However, I've had some people read through it and they say, you know, this is something that I think a parent could pick up and get something out of. It has uh, techniques in there on using video games, board games, activities. Um, there's a section in each chapter on uh, where I talk specifically about play therapy with helping the families. But from this book, um, because I had so many people say, you know, well, I'm a parent. What would this book work for me? Um, that I immediately started writing one just for parents. Um, And so that book, I don't have a specific date on when it's coming out, but um, it's entitled Bridge Building, um, Creating Connection and Relationships Between Parents and Children or Adolescents Diagnosed with Asperger's Syndrome and High-Functioning Autism. And um, so I don't know. I've got a publisher. It's it's going to be coming out soon because I have to have the manuscript done by November 30th. It's yeah, um, busy. And it's <clears throat> what are you doing on the radio? I'm under, I'm under the gun. Writing. Yes. So, um, but that one is going to be coming out within the next year, and that will be specifically for parents, written very simply um, and, and just very clearly because, again, I'm, I'm so passionate about helping the parents uh, connect with these Amazing, amazing individuals. Well, and Kevin, let me, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here because that's what I do every week, and I'll try not to say anything too stupid, but in my opinion, okay, my (laughs) ill-informed, undiagnosed opinion, if a parent suspects that their child is on somewhere on the Asperger's autism high-functioning spectrum, whether the kid's been diagnosed or not, play therapy for a family can just bring that family closer together. So there's really no downside. So if you're somebody who doesn't have health insurance, you're somebody who maybe for whatever reason your husband doesn't want you to take your kid. I hear that a lot. He's fine. Right. He's fine. Right. He doesn't right. need a doctor. Right. But right. you as a parent go, you know, there's something 
not wrong with my kid, but different with my kid. I need to find a way to connect with him. I need to get him connecting with his brothers and sisters. I need to get him connecting with his dad. These play therapy techniques, there's no downside to them. It's play therapy. How bad can it be? Not at all. And what drives a lot of parents away from it is, you know, for instance, an adolescent who simply just plunks in front of their video game when they have free time and they just play that video game for hours and hours and hours, I tell parents, you can plunk down next to them. Just your presence there. Um, The kid who likes to watch a movie, get in the movie with them. Use it as a form of connection. The child who has a repetitive, you know, for instance, Lego, just make yourself available, plunk down on the floor, and that child will tell you what they want you to do and joining in the play. And that's where I have to push parents sometimes because they're like, well, I don't know how. I don't or know I what don't to like do. It. <laughs> yeah, or it's, I'm not really into that. Well, too bad because you have to shift. You have to make. <laughs> that's part of being the parent. <laughs> yeah, you, you, if, if you're going to connect, you know, and, and and this is the thing. Our culture is so verbal valued. There are many, many ways to connect other than verbal. And our presence is so powerful. And that's what I try to get parents to see. I have a website. Um, the website is dr, as in doctor, uh, kevinbhall.com. And I've started putting some blogs on there uh, that relate to this theme. Um, Just things like being patient, just making yourself available, uh, things like that, just to be be mindful of uh, connecting. But the parent has to grasp that this is going to be different. This is not going to be a typical connection process. Uh, And but the first step is just making yourself available. Well, and the thing is, Kevin, what comes to mind, we've had a bunch of shows about, like, mindfulness and, you know, like, I think of, like, dating. You know, it's like, oh, well, you got to meet the person, you know, where they are to see if you like each other, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, you don't take a baby and leave it in a diaper for 43 days because, you know, you just don't do that or you don't like to do that or, you know, you're not connecting with them on that level. You know, you, you change the baby's diaper because that's what they need. Well, in meeting your kids' needs, you know, you don't have that luxury of going, well, I'll wait till he's eight years old and can hit a baseball bat or form a connection, or I'll wait yes. till he's 15 and he's interested in automotives because that's what I'm in. Or, you know, and I see that a lot. I see that a lot with parents where they don't meet their kid where they're at, and as the kid grows up, you know, at that point, the kid's going to be like, you know, forget you, Dad, forget you, Mom. You know, what was important to me wasn't important to you. I got that message early on. So for the parents listening today, you know, go out and buy Kevin's book when it comes out. Uh, look for the play therapy book. What was it called, Bridging? Um, yes, it's called Bridge Building. Bridge building, because whether your kid is high-functioning autism, uh, Asperger's, or just a little bit different and you haven't taken him in to, to figure out why he's different, meeting your kid where he's at, from what I'm hearing from today's show, to paraphrase for the layman, 
it, that's what it's all about, getting together with your child one-on-one and communicating with them, whether it's watching a movie together, playing a video game. You know, for me, it's getting on the Internet with my son and researching Lego after Lego after Lego. You know, right. seriously, Kevin, got to tell you, not thrilling for me. There's a lot of other things I'd rather be doing. Well, but to see and- him get so excited over the Black Pirate Lego, Mom, Mom, and he, he, he can't remember most things, but he will fixate on that November 16th that comes out. Yes. <laughs> well, and one thing, you know, these children are very intense. What they love, they love times a thousand. So they can be very exhausting. And what I tell parents is set a timer. Say to your child, okay, I'm going to play with you. Let's play. And, you know, but I only have an hour or I only have 30 minutes right now. When the timer goes off, then I have to go back to what I was doing before, especially for those single moms out there, single dads, single parents. You know, there's just not enough time in the day. And so that can help also teach the child boundaries and limits that, oh, okay, there's, you know, something starts and something ends. And that can help them learn transition. Well, and that learning transition also helps them in play with their friends. I see that with my one friend's child, you know, and she says she gives them a five-minute warning, a ten-minute warning, a, you know, two-minute warning, and, you know, prepares him, you know, for this transition. And what I've noticed is now some of his friends are like, you know, hey, so-and-so, we got to leave in five minutes. It's amazing how you can teach their peer group and their friends to work with them rather than work against them. Yes, very true. So, Kevin, uh, we've got about a minute till the show ends. If you had one piece of advice that you would leave our listeners with today um, about your field of interest, uh, what would it be? It would be one for the, the parents out there who either have a child diagnosed or suspect it. Don't panic. Don't fear. There is nothing to fear. And All of us as parents are on a journey of doing the best we can to connect with our kids and provide for their needs. And uh, I encourage parents every day that you're stronger than you think you are and you're smarter than you think you are. Wow. No, I'm like, oh. That's a hard one to top. Well, my name is Sandra Beck. I am the host of Motherhood Talk Radio along with Christy Holly. Our guest today has been uh, Dr. Kevin B. Hall. You can check him out on the Internet. He's got a book coming out in the future, Bridging. He's got a book coming out in November. For those of you who suspect that your son or daughter struggles with some of these high-functioning autism issues, get together together with them on their level, play with them, play Legos, play video games, uh, connect with your child. Next week, we're going to have Lynette Lovelace coming on. She's from Life Therapy, the great product line. You've seen it on Oprah. Tune in with us again next week. Thank you for being a part of Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Gontoginet.com. Join us every Tuesday as we give